Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. And this week we are covering the three creep show films, starting off with the first one and unfortunately working its way to the third one. But before we get into <laughs> these episodes, I want to give a shout out to uh, Dead Real Reviews. Uh, thanks for posting about us on your Instagram page. And uh, you guys can check him out on Instagram. That's D-E-A-D-R-E-E-L Reviews. Uh, on Instagram, and I believe he is on YouTube, or you could actually view some of his episodes and reviews. He's got really cool content on there. And also, I believe you can find him on Facebook. So thank you, uh, Dan, for the shout out and enjoy the show. Coming soon. Jolting tales of horror. Creep Show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Veril. Creepshow will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. Oh, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show. The most fun you'll ever have being scared. Before we get into Creep Show, I want to uh, bring up a brief history on EC Comics. Uh, they're the biggest influence on these movies, and anyone familiar with the comics could definitely see the resemblance between the two. Um, EC Comics, it stands for Entertaining Comics. It ran publications such as Tales from the Crypt, Vaults of Horror, and The Haunt of Fear in the 40s and the 50s. The stories focused on, like, karma as a big theme. Um, They would focus on people who weren't really the best people, and they would often die in, like, a almost ironic type of way. There was a lot of, like, twists and they're definitely mature, violent comics. The comics actually caused a lot of controversy. There was a writer named Frederick Wortham who would write a lot of articles bashing the violence in the comics and its effects on delinquent teens. And it caused an uprise of a very strict comic code authority that banned words like horror, terror, and weird in their comic titles and put really strict guidelines on the comics, which made it difficult to publish. So Bill Gaines, who was the owner of the company, ended publication of all the horror comics in 1954 for this reason. But the influence carried on later on. Um, you have writer, or illustrators like Bernie Wrightson, who created Swamp Thing for DC, and among others, like very big influences on the comic community and the horror community, as can be seen through Creepshow. So that's my nerd out for the episode. 
Creepshow was released in 1982. It was based on some of Stephen King's short stories. He also did the screenplay for it. It was directed by George A. Romero and contained special effects and makeup by Tom Savini. The legend. And that's why... You, all right, so when you have someone like George Romero, Tom Savini, and a screenplay by Stephen King, that is the ultimate chemistry for a <laughs> successful horror film, in my opinion. So uh, the movie was the only George A. Romero film that he directed and did not write the screenplay for. Uh, he and Stephen King were very good friends, and they really wanted to work together and decided to do that by creating Creepshow. They hired Tom Savini to create the comic book cutaways and to make it feel like a comic book. And I think they did a great job with that, especially like I think where you could see it the most is in Father's Day when it's showing the flashbacks and it's set up like an actual comic book. Yeah, it's just like the panel to panel changing of the scenes. Such a good job. And even like the backdrop to like, I want to say certain scenes where it's like a frightening scene and there's like that weird back background and like the, the crazy color of like red or something. It was just a really cool effect. Yeah. I, that's what I noticed too. I noticed it with all of these. Um, it seemed like any time like somebody was about to die, the colors would turn blue and red. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really cool because, like I've said in past episodes, especially in like our witches episode, like I love when they use color to accent certain things in movies. Mm-hmm. But like primary colors, I love it. it. It's. We don't want any purples. No purples, no. Red, blue, <laughs> red, blue, and yellow. <laughs> and actually, all three of those are used in, in uh, the third segment, which we'll get more into once yeah. we cover that segment. But uh, I, the film starts off with an opening segment of uh, pretty much relatable, I think, Dylan, to what you were talking about with EC Comics. So there's a kid who uh, is getting a lecture from his father, played by awesome horror movie star tom atkins i'm a big fan of him and he's getting a lecture uh his father sees he's reading these horror comics and uh pretty much you know gives him a stern talking to about he doesn't want him reading this crap which you know is totally relatable to why these comics were like they had to follow a certain guideline or were like almost banned for the time and uh might i say that kids room any horror movie's dream, <laughs> lover's dream. Like, I mean, he's got all these monster movie posters and all these monsters hanging around his room. Like, seeing that as, as a kid, because I saw this movie when I was probably nine years old. Mm-hmm. To see that, I was like, damn, this kid is so lucky right now to have a room like that. But yeah, it opens up with uh, that segment, the, the dad throwing away the comic book and the kid just wanting revenge. And then insert the creep from... Uh, I guess I want to say he's like the main mascot of the movies. Yeah. Shows up at the window, and then that's when that you get that awesome transition to the comic book, and then it really starts to get into the segments. Yeah. Fun fact: the uh, the kid in the wraparound story is actually played by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. So yeah. Stephen King's name isn't really Stephen King then. Uh, well, I know his son for this movie went by Joe King. But he goes by Joe Hill now. I'm I not sure if it's like is he is he doing something in the business? So yeah, like he, he, he is a hor- he does write uh, for movies and stuff. I'm pretty sure. So it, it probably is something like he doesn't want to live off his dad's name. But. Dude, it's if Stephen King was my dad, I'd be telling everybody. <laughs> I I can't say for sure. I I didn't look too much into it. I just know that uh, that was his son. If you actually look up pictures of him like now, he looks identical. Identical. To Stephen identical King. Yeah. It's so, it's so creepy. <laughs> 
But uh, Bullshit. yeah, but yeah, I like the nice little wraparound story. I mean, it definitely, you know, this movie came out in '82, so Stephen King, George Romero, like pretty much anybody who in, was involved with it who did read EC comics at the time, like they were kids when these, they lived it. Yeah, they lived it. They lived the controversy and everything. So you know, it, it was cool to see their take on it because it. It does, like you said, Stephen. Like it does go back to that theme. Isn't it pretty much based off of the Tales from the Crypt comics? Um, it's influenced. It was influenced, yeah. Because, like, you got to think the creep is very similar to the creep. To the Crypt Keeper, right? Yeah. 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 If I could get that out, Crypt Keeper. <laughs> it just it seems very heavily influenced there. Definitely. So, yeah. All right, so you want to get into the first segment here? Yeah, so the first segment is... Father's Day. Yeah, I drew a blank, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, you want to take Bedelia, it? you bitch! <laughs> so the first segment we have in the first creep show starts off uh, titled Father's Day. It is about this wealthy family who are having a get-together, and it just so happens to be Father's Day. And pretty much the story is one of the aunts uh, killed her father on Father's Day because he was extremely controlling and strict, and he had his daughter's, like, gentleman friend murdered because he did not want to see her happy. He just wanted all his focus on him. So one day she snaps and bashes him over the head with a marble ashtray. And her sister, I'm going to assume, helps her clean up the trace, and they all, you know, go about their lives. Well, it turns out during this dinner, which is the seven-year anniversary of their father's death, uh, you know, they're meeting the one niece's newlyweds, and they're all kind of getting together. But the one woman, Bedelia, who killed her father... Uh, she always likes to go to the graveyard to sulk and wallow and just kind of deal get with drunk. the sh- and get your head sipping on that bottle of Jim Bean <laughs> and uh, kind of just reflect on all the shit that she's went through. You know, it's kind of like a guilt that just hits, hits her and she has a lot of flashbacks. And uh, pretty much the dad rises from the grave to get his revenge on his family for killing him. And what a awesome opening segment. <laughs> I must say. It definitely um, sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Absolutely. Like, the hand popping out when the father rises from the grave. Well, again, I saw this movie when I was, I was nine. So I fucking jumped when that happened. And the way the music hits right there, oh, perfect. Perfect jump scare, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I remember watching this when I was much younger with my cousin Amber. And um, when I think of this movie, I think of this segment and the second segment, like, immediately. Um, this is my all-time favorite segment. Like, I loved it when I was younger. I love it even now. I just th- thought it was fun. Uh, and I, Bedelia murdered her father, but you really do feel for her because he was very, very mentally abusive to her. And he used her, you know? Yeah. I, and I, Trying to get I that almost, cake. I almost felt bad that she felt bad about it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she, she shouldn't have. He was a dick. Yeah, I mean, he actually got her man, like, killed in a mm-hmm. quote-unquote hunting accident. Like, he was <laughs> yeah. very jealous he wanted all the attention on him. Where's and then he. Pick, yeah, and he was just paranoid. Like, y'all, a bunch of vultures want my money and shit, you know? And then finally, mm-hmm. Bedelia snapped and bashed him right in the head. And it, uh, they all covered it up. Now, there's a scene from the segment that me and Dylan probably watched in slow motion. Like, in, like in her head, it went in slow motion. And we're like, why the hell? 
the part where the um, the niece's husband goes out to go find Aunt Padilla, and he goes oh, and out there. Oh, he gets there crushed and he, by the gravestone. Yeah, and he, it's it's like a ten minute scene, and it's like slow. Like he could have moved a thousand times. Oh, definitely, definitely. But he didn't. And we were like watching this, like, why aren't you moving, you dumbass? Oh, oh my god, quick out he... that hole. Yeah, like he's just standing there watching this giant tombstone about to fall on him, and it's like it budges a little bit, and he's just staying there looking at it, and then budges again. And he's just standing there looking at it. And I'm like. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and then when he and then like he has time to look at the zombie father, and then like yeah. again he just doesn't do anything. Which I love the sound effect it makes when the the, the tombstone drops on him. It's like splat. Yeah, I was just like, oh, that was perfect. perfect. Yeah, no, it was really good. I love too. I I love like the visual look when the dad busts through the door and he has Bedelia's head as the cake mm-hmm. and it just, like, the colors come in again, the red on one and side, blue on one side and yep. it, like, freezes and I'm like, this is so fucking great. That's another thing that <laughs> oh, adding to that, when they pan to each of their reactions and they're screaming, yeah. I just think it's just, it's so, like, if comic books were in, like, real life, that kind of just the, the vibe I got. Yeah. I, th- I think it's cool how this movie went about, too. Like, how it, like, they, they match the scenes <clears throat> up perfectly in the beginning and the end so that it goes from a comic book, like, a little box mm-hmm. into, like, the real-life people, and then it fades from the real-life people to the comic book yeah. square again. I, th- I love how they do that. I think that's a really good um, transition. Yeah. And again, the cake reveal it being Sylvia's head with the candles. Oh, I know. Stuck the in best her head. part was that there was actually candles stuck in her head. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, it was so good. And he's like, "It's Father's Day, and I got my cake." You, you know, know like that I, fucking voice. I, I it didn't was so understand cool. why he took his other daughter's head when, like, Bedelia's the one who killed him, and he took Sylvia's head. It didn't make sense. Because that's true. It really is. But actually, yeah, I was gonna say because she covered up the tracks, but. Bedelia is the one that made the kill, so and yeah, it would have made more sense. She was sense the one that was like he. She was his caretaker because he was he was elderly and sick. So mm-hmm. he was demanding that she take you know she make him his cake, and that she was the one who was making the cake when she snapped. So it doesn't make sense that it would have been Sylvia's head. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I don't care. I just noticed that, and I thought that was funny that they they chose to go with Sylvia's head opposed to Bedelia's. But awesome opening segment, just really uh, fun. It was sets, fun. sets the tone for the movie. Fun. A uh, couple of good jump scares. Uh, I I think the zombie look of the father with the worms coming out mm-hmm. of his eye. Oh, they did just, a great job on that. Yeah. Yeah, it still had the crumble of dirt on him. It was just so good, and even the voice. Uh, you know, because like most zombies don't talk, but you know what, like. This was that case where it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it adds so. such a like a iconic line because, I mean, for as long as I've known Sierra, we randomly to each other like, "Where's my cake, video?" I do it to Amber. Oh, definitely. Too. I could probably post that on Amber's wall right now, and she'd be like. Laughing my ass off, creep show. <laughs> well, my 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 cat's real name is Amelia Bedelia, but we just call her Amelia for short, and the Bedelia totally comes from Creep Show. <laughs> so you know what I mean? It's definitely a very influential opening segment, and uh, it definitely is scary. I mean, at least as a kid, you know, seeing that. I mean, the effects were great. I think. And, I think what this segment does, and what all of the segments in this movie do, is they have such like literally the perfect balance between horror and humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you could look at something and like not to jump ahead too much, but um, 
and something to tide you over the dead couple and that the seaweed hanging from him and shit. Oh yeah, it's so mm-hmm. creepy. But then you have these moments like in um in the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill where you're just like laughing the entire segment. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but you yes. know what though, I feel like. Although there's there's humor to it, I feel like it doesn't change it from horror to like a horror comedy. I feel like it's still I would still mainly focus on that it is a horror movie opposed to a horror comedy. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is for horror first and just throws a little bit of that humor. Yeah. But I think um, that comes with Stephen King does that. Like he always has some humor laying around somewhere. So. Any other highlights uh, from the first segment that you uh, guys really enjoyed? I, I gotta say the dance scene real quick. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like that that that, that oh bitch kept gosh. dancing too, man. I haven't watched this movie since high school, and that part came on, and I'm sitting there, I was like, "What am I watching?" Do you remember the first? Yeah, time my you cousins this? would always spoof it. What's that? Do you remember the first time you watched this movie? <sighs> Did you watch it with me? I watched it with you, but that wasn't my first time watching it. I want to say I watched it when I was in, like, middle school. I don't believe you. On HBO at my grandparents' house. <laughs> I won this at a Yankee swap at my family reunion. I won Creep Show, the first movie. You pick out a prize, and that's what, and I was, like, looking at the prizes, and you could either pick, once you were, like, when you were under, like, 12, you could either pick from like the kids table or the adult table and I was like looking at the toys and then I saw Creepshow and I was like I'll take that and that's what I picked out good choice it was it was and then that's why me and my cousin watched it together because we were at my film reunion alright so moving on to the next segment which is titled Dylan again because I can't remember the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill I love this one (laughs) alright Sierra you wanna you wanna take the lead on this segment yes it's very simple I do okay So, main character is Jordy Verrill, which is played by Stephen King. He is a farmer, and uh, he's at his house, and he sees something fall from the sky, and it hits the ground, and he runs over to it, and it's a meteor, and he, like, touches it, and then he puts water on it, and it cracks open, and this blue goo comes out, and it gets on him, and uh, he thinks, he's like, oh, I'm going to bring this to a scientist, and we're going to get money, you know, awesome. Oh. He goes into his house and he starts to grow plants on him, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. He, it gets to the point where it overtakes everything. Yeah, it's literally like his whole house, his car, himself. He is a plant. On top of that, like at the end of the segment, it says that there's like plenty of rain coming, so happy for all you farmers. Yeah. Which, when you see the final scene of uh that like how far the plants have grown and like you think like rain like you just yeah the, the world in that universe is just done for yeah. at that point maybe that's this was how a the, fun one. the earth restarts itself <laughs> yeah, no i right? love i love this one so much just, like I, it i it was a nice break i feel like from like okay the first one as a kid scared the shit out of me yeah. so this was like Okay, let's let's you know bring it, was it a down. Good chaser. And, yeah, definitely a good chaser to say the least. Stephen King should have been a comedy actor. Dude, he was amazing too, and like, <laughs> he 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 like had such control in his eyes to where like he like he go cross eyed, yeah, he'd go in cro- different directions. And he could look in different directions. It was so funny. But, yeah, he's uh, always like, awesome. "Oh, Jordy, you nunkhead!" Yeah. <laughs> I, I love when he's like, uh, "That's that barrel luck, bad." Yeah. <laughs> or he's like, "Ah, oh, meteor shit." Yeah. yeah, that's like another quote, and I always did it to Dylan, like, and randomly look at him and just be like, "Meteor shit." <laughs> yeah. I love that quote. It's so fucking. I, weird. I love when he's um. <laughs> 
He's, like, picturing himself going to the professor to sell the meteor. And oh, he's yeah. like, I ain't taking less than 200. And the, the, the professor's, like, taking money out of the box. He's like, keep it coming. Keep, keep it coming. coming. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which so I think funny. for a meteor, 200 is a little low in my opinion. <laughs> and he's like, got to pay off that bank loan. It's like, damn, son, how cheap is that bank loan? <laughs> <laughs> no, I lo- uh, everything about this one is just fun. It's, it's entertaining to watch. And Stephen King, you know, Stephen King appears in all of his movies mm-hmm. in some way. I think this is probably his biggest appearance in his own movie. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. This is probably his longest appearance. And it really shows that if he wanted to be, he could he could be like a comedic actor of yeah. some sort. He was so funny and he was so good. He really got into his character. I think it's I good love, to see, um... too, that he can, like, make things with humor in them because a lot of his stuff is just very, like, serious and dark. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see. I feel like the he though side. his his like little pop ups in his movies. Oh, yeah. are usually funny. Like in Rose Road when he pops, like he shows up as the pizza boy. Yeah, things like that. The only one that I can't think of that was too funny was in Pet Cemetery. He was the Reverend at the funeral, but I feel like he he has no problem poking fun at himself. Oh yeah, and I think that's a good quality to have, especially when you're so fa- you're, you're as famous as he is. The fact that he can laugh at himself and he doesn't take anything too to heart. That's awesome. Good for Stephen King. Yeah, good quality to say the least. Uh, I I really love the plant effects in this. Like they, they did a, a good job of it. I think it was like simply but well done. Uh, I, you know what I mean? They didn't do, go too crazy till the fucking end when he completely turns into like a uh, complete bud <laughs> of a of a yeah. person. Like that shit is wild, but. I like how it gradually started to build on him. Oh, like, first it fingers. started with his fingers. And then it was, then his, it was his tongue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like when he realizes, like, he, he, like, looks at his fingers and he realizes it's worse. And he's, like, like his first thought was, like, oh, no, I, I put these, my fingers in my mouth. And he, like, ran to the mirror and he's, like, sticking his tongue out. And he's, like, oh, no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when he's going the, to get in the favorite. bathtub and he's, he's like. He, he sees <laughs> his dad and his dad's, like, are you an idiot? <laughs> Which I believe water. that was the doctor. As yeah, well, like I yeah, think... it's the same actor. Yeah, yeah. Cool, I thought so. And I, I'll, I love when he looks down at himself after taking off his pants. He's like, not there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Nah, I loved yeah. it. Yeah, I loved it. One. The ending's a little dark, though. I must yeah. say, <laughs> he shoots himself. Oh, right, double barrel shotgun right to the head. It's just like it was such a comedic segment right until that very end where he's like, he's fucked. Mm-hmm. Maybe he should have just tried to, like, tr- keep it trimmed. Uh, he needed a nice I feel shave. like that would have been a lot of work. Yeah. I'm he not is... taking a weed whacker to my face. I'm good. I've watched enough CZW. I'm okay with that. I wonder if you had children if they'd just be, like, flowers. <laughs> they'd start to bud out. Yeah, they just, like, blossom. Getting into conspiracies now. <laughs> Yo, shout out to him watching old school uh, WWF, man. I'm hearing Vince oh, yeah. McMahon's voice and the wild Samoan in the in the ring I was like yeah my boy yeah I saw that I thought you would like that Steven oh yeah you're all good old Vincent Kennedy McMahon <laughs> is he still doing WWE yeah he's the chairman and they're having a movie like coming out made of him back His in the life. day it was WWF though I, I remember that yeah yeah it's WWE now but yeah it was definitely WWF but that, that was a cool little thing way to be up with the times because that was when WWF really started taking off like they just scooped up Hulk Hogan I think yeah. around that time mm-hmm. so you know it was cool to just see that little throwback and you guys know what a big wrestling fan I am so yeah, yeah. alright I don't have too much more to say about this one 
No, I think we uh, pretty much covered everything we loved. I what is there to dislike? Okay, maybe it wasn't scary, but there's plenty much more in this film that makes up for it. So again, it, like you said it best, Sierra, it's a nice chaser from the fear mm-hmm. that the the first segment instills in you. It's like when you watch cartoons after you watch a really scary movie before you go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thing. The next one is something to tide you over. So this one... For some reason, that guy made me think of Ric Flair. <laughs> like, that's all I can think Thank about you. watching it is like, Ric Flair, why are you here? Thank you. I always, I was like, yo, the Nate. Yeah, was... that's exactly what I thought. See, but the Nate was very much younger at that time. But, you know, still, he's definitely got that Ric Flair vibe to him, for sure. Yeah, he, the, 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 like, pure white hair, yeah, definitely Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. He's Ric Flair's brother. But, um, yeah, so something to tide you over follows a guy who finds out that his wife is cheating on him. So he buries her and her lover on the beach up to their necks and says if you can hold your breath long enough for the tide to come over you could break free from the sand and be free so he goes back to his house and he's watching and they die on the camera that he's watching on and he goes back and their bodies are gone so later on that night he starts hearing uh their voices and they come back for him and bury him up to his neck and Tell him to hold his breath. And the last line is, I can hold my breath for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you got you to gotta yell it like I'm serious. I can hold my breath for a long time. And he really loses his mind at yeah. the end. It's so funny to see. So um, watching this, I brought it up to Sierra. I wonder how much Saw was influenced by this short. Because it's a guy who sets up a trap. To where you can survive if you're able to push yourself to that limit. And then he watches from a TV in a safe location to see if they survive or not. Yo, good connection. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. But now that you said that, it makes a lot of sense. It does. Especially as an early influence for the Saw films. <laughs> um, I, th- I like this one a lot. And I remember uh, watching it when I was a kid. And being, like, not being interested in this one, I was very bored by it. Um, but now watching it, I, th- I think it's a very clever uh, segment. I think it's interesting. It's definitely, it, it was unique at that time because, like Dylan said, now there's Saw that does that yeah. same formula. Yeah. But it was unique for its time, and, um, you know, you... I was looking into it, too, because I wanted to see if I could find anything about James Wan being, like, influenced by this in some sort of way, but I didn't see it. The only thing that I saw that James Wan has cited for uh, influencing him a lot and saw was Dario Argento. So, huh. yeah, he said, like, um, the, the Saw puppet was uh, influenced by... Deep Red? Deep Red, yeah, the Dolan yep. Deep Red. Oh, there, there was a bunch of different connections to it, but um, nothing about this movie, which I was surprised about. I'm sure somewhat. I think some everybody's influenced by a little Stephen King <laughs> everywhere. Oh, yeah. I gotta say, the water zombies, which, you know, is the couple that dies, they, they look phenomenal. I like that. Oh, yeah. Like you said, the hanging seaweed. I think you could see, like, a shell or a clam in the girl's hair. Mm-hmm. And... Their voices sound like they have water in their lungs, Mm -hmm. so it just made it that much creepier. And when they first showed up on the screen, uh, the screen when he, like, opens the door, shuts it when he sees it there, and then he turns around, 
I again, I jumped as a kid. Like that scared the <laughs> shit out of me. Tom Savini fucking killed it. I mean, without a doubt. I, I can't say I'm surprised, but it, it's it. The effects in this movie were great. This short, I I like it. I wouldn't say that it's the standout short of the movie by any means, but it was enjoyable to watch and. I think it does a very good job of following that EC Comics theme of, you know, poetic justice where, you know, there's a guy who tries to do something bad, but it comes back to bite him in the end. Yeah. So. I also like how uh, they bleed blue when he shoots him in the head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't know, it just adds to that whole sea underwater zombie effect and also when he's watching them being killed with the tide i i just thought this was a great scene where the guy's like i'm coming for you richard but you notice he stops quickly like i want to say like shifts his head over to the camera and the way he did it that actor with like just really represented like such vengeance like i'm coming for you richard like and i thought that was a really good scene and i was just like oh shit you know things just got serious that guy was Ted Danson, and uh, he actually... Um, Ted Danson. Yeah. I guess his daughter was on set when they were filming uh, the part where he comes back with the seaweed on him and everything, and he was trying to avoid her because he didn't want her to get too scared because of all the <laughs> makeup and shit. So uh, I guess ev- ev- eventually they ran into each other, and his daughter just looked at him and says, Oh, hi, Dad. <laughs> That's great. I, I was like, No That's big deal. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like kids are, are braver than people give them credit for. Yeah. Uh, who was the actor of uh, Mr. Ric Flair kind of look like? I know he was in Scary Movie 3 and a yeah. couple of oh, other yeah, 80s comedies. It's uh, Leslie uh, Nielsen. What, what was it? Dracula, Dracula Dead and Loving It he was also in? Yeah, it's Leslie Nielsen. Oh, he's great. He yeah. really he played <laughs> such a great bad guy in this. Dude, he is old as hell. Is he dead? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, he was old even in that one in 1982. He He's older than my grandpa. My grandpa was old. Yeah, he, um... 1926. It's funny, it's funny. I was reading stuff about this online, and I guess, uh... When they were, when they were filming, he was carrying around a fart machine in his pocket, and... <laughs> When they were, like, when they would actually be filming, he was, like, completely serious the whole time. But, like, in between takes and stuff, he'd randomly walk around and set it off. And, like, right before George Romero would yell action, he would, like, set it off. And the crew and the cast would just start cracking up from it. He definitely seems like a jokester, especially when you watch Dracula Dead and Loving It, which he was perfect for that. Yeah. Uh, You know, it, it, it was just really cool to see him in this and because he's a familiar face to me mm. i just i'm better with faces than names yeah especially when it comes to movies from, with, from something but i couldn't remember what and when you said scary movies like yep <laughs> i yep, remember the now <laughs> yep uh so yeah it was really awesome seeing him in this and he played a great bad guy and i just love how he loses his mind at the end and also the freeze frame of his face when it turns back to the comic Oh, mm-hmm. that face is priceless of the, him underwater with his... Or no, the water's just hitting him. He's got his mouth all open. That was just... It was cool. Well, again, it was a good way to end too, it. Like it. It brings in like the red and the blue. And... Yeah, and the yellow, too. If you look by the ocean, the water's like yellow. So it uses all three of those colors. Yeah. Yeah, great, great job of the lighting again. All right, so the next one is the crate, which seems to be everybody's favorite segment. Not mine. I can agree. I, that's, I can't say it's mine, but... I, I, I uh, it's it. definitely mine. Next to Father's Day, this is my favorite segment. All right, so uh, the crate starts out with 
a janitor flipping a coin. He loses it under the stairs. And while he's looking for his quarter, he notices a box that says uh, some expedition 1834. So he calls one of the professors up uh, who's at like a some party for like all the staff. And he's friends with an English uh, professor whose wife is extremely fucking annoying. And it's funny because both the English professor and the wife are both in the movie The Fog by John Carpenter, which is a great film. Yeah. So it was nice to see them too to get back uh, in a uh, in a film together. And uh, so, you know, the one professor is notified and he goes down to check it out. And when they open the crate, they realize – or they're moving the crate, they realize something shifts. So they have a look inside and – uh, pretty much inside the crate is this monster, like monkey thing, and it goes by the name Fluffy. I guess I've later come to find out they gave it a name, which uh, looks amazing, and it eats the janitor, really rips him to shreds. So the the professor loses his shit, and he goes and finds like one of the younger students there, uh, and the younger student doesn't believe him. He gets and he thinks he actually committed the murder or whatever, and he gets ripped to shreds. So then uh, the one professor like loses it, goes to his friend, who's the uh, English professor with the annoying wife, oh, and uh, uh, Bill, what Billy is her name? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, she did a great job of being a complete fucking nag, and it kept going to like these flashes of like him killing her, and you think at first it's real, like the first scene when they're at the party and. Uh, he shoots her in the oh, head, yeah. and everyone's clapping, and they're like, yeah. great shot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, at first I was like, whoa, did he just really fucking kill her? <laughs> and you realize it's a fantasy, which yeah. uh, later on he gets to fulfill that fantasy. So he tells his friend to help him out, and his friend at first doesn't believe him, so he goes down to check it out and realizes there is something in the crate. So he covers up the tracks and pretty much uh, seals is going to seal the monster in the crate, and get rid of it but before he does he calls his nagging wife down to come check it out he makes up some excuse and she gets down there and that's where he feeds it to her and i love the line just tell it to call you billy because it's so repulsive like that thing fucking eats her alive yeah <laughs> and uh you know it ends pretty much with him dumping the thing down into the water and we get one last look at those yellow eyes in the crate mm. which are absolutely creepy and the one professor who witnessed this all from the beginning was like, well, what happened? He was like, oh, don't worry about it, you know? It's down and it's sinking at the bottom of the ravine or whatever, or some hole down with the, like with water or whatever. And that's how that ends, and everything's like, okay, yeah, you want to play some chess? <laughs> you know, I just totally killed my wife, kind of fed this thing, but Casual. no biggie. Let's play some chess. But yeah, this was my favorite segment, and the creature Fluffy, oh my gosh, gave oh. me nightmares as a kid. It was so well done. It's actually, uh, it was actually Tom Savini's first fully animatronic creature. Creature, yeah. It was so good. I, I love the razor sharp teeth, the claws, the eyes, everything. The way I, it moved. I liked this one. My only was he a Sasquatch? Oh, no, God. it was some kind. Of, <laughs> it wasn't a Sasquatch. Uh, he was just some kind of like prehistoric like monkey but i mean not prehistoric because it was discovered in 1800 but it was definitely some kind of primate i will say that i don't know it's like some rabid like fucking baboon monster are yetis and sasquatches the same thing yeah pretty much just in different locations (laughs) is it getty and albino sasquatch uh i guess so in a sense all right so (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I like this one a lot. I think my only complaint with it was, it for me, it felt like it started to stretch on a little bit. Like, Sierra even said at one point, like, this could have been its own movie, uh, like, altogether. And well, it that's the thing, is I feel like they killed, what, three people in it to get the story across when they could have just done one or two. Yeah. So it kind of stretched the segment out where you you didn't necessarily need all those deaths to make the story make sense. I I, I uh, agree to disagree. I, I love every death scene in this one. It's just <laughs> any time that monster was on screen, I was terrified as a kid, but as an adult, get really happy. I just love it, the way he just tears into him, like the effects. Again, yeah. Tom Savini, you master, <laughs> I, you I, genius man. I, I, I wouldn't say that I didn't like the deaths, but I just felt like, like when I watch an anthology, I like like the short segments that get the point across, and then you get on to the next one, and this one seemed, it, I mean, it definitely, it definitely was the longest in the movie. If this, like, if I was watching a movie called The Crate, and it was just like an hour and a half movie of this creature with the same story, and even that could have been stretched out, I would have thought it was amazing, but just the fact that I'm like so eager to get to the last segment, or like the next segment, and it's like... This one just keeps going and going. It t- it took- I, I can see where you're coming from. It was a rather lengthy segment. I, d- I mean, don't get me wrong. I do I do like it a lot. I love, Um, I, I think my favorite part of it is when the main character, I don't remember his name, but he's like walking down the stairs after Fluffy killed the first guy and there's like the trail of blood going from the classroom to the crate. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I liked when it ate Billy. I hate Billy. And I liked every scene oh, where was he, great. he imagined killing her. Just tell it to call you Billy. Because I Cause watched five minutes really... of her and I was picturing like, oh, it would feel really good to beat her. <laughs> yeah, because she's really laying into him when he like... The poor guy, down. like, you can look at him and see that his soul is broken. Yeah. You kind of feel bad for him. I did, uh, I did like the whole beginning thing, though, where it's like multiple times he's like picturing her dying and then it's like <laughs> cuts back and it's just like oh he's just imagining it and i'm like oh henry what would you do without yeah. me? <laughs> that that was okay just, just to mix up any confusion dexter was the professor that discovered the crate and henry is the friend that helped him cover it up now i'm just remembering and billy's the, name, the, so. billy's the woman <laughs> yes billy is the annoying mullet curly haired woman that does not shut the fuck up the whole She's movie the and term. you're rooting for her to die like yeah. seriously you, you you you're hoping it comes to that i i love that too that they the guy used that basically towards the end he's just like all right fuck it i'm just gonna have it kill you knew it was coming too like as soon as um dexter came to him and told him like you could see the wheels in his head just like yep <laughs> yeah let me slip you a drink keep you quiet and then i'm gonna take care of this i'll deal with this this is perfect <laughs> He was so nonchalant about the whole situation, man. He was like, yo, I will go at any lengths to get rid of this fucking woman out of my life. I don't blame him. <laughs> divorce, was too, divorce is too messy. Murder? Perfect. I like the very, like, cliche old school movie of I'm going to drive and drop this off of a cliff into a body did of water. I, did anybody notice how, yeah. like, how not high that cliff looked? Like, when you're looking at it, you're like, that's like 10 feet. <laughs> What is this? I don't know. It definitely leaves you on a cliffhanger, though, because you see the eyes at the end. Oh! I think the crate... A cliffhanger? 
Get it? Because we were talking about a cliff. Oh my gosh! I didn't. Wow! All puns intended. That went over <laughs> my head, and I said it. <laughs> wow! I wanna. I wanna the crate movie made yes, now. Yes, please. I want Tom Savini behind it. Don't. I yep. don't want any CGI. I want it. Oh, no, it's got to be all animatronic. Just. I like want it straight to VHS. Uh, copy. Get on it, Tom Savini. I know you can do it. We shake your head the about the crate part two. The crate part two. You could even slap a number two on it because, like, it totally breaks through the crate at the end. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, shit, you know? Like, it leaves you hanging. I like the, um, whenever Fluffy is killing somebody, too, how it, it it's very comic book. Like, the backgrounds that come up in the back with, like, the yep. different patterns and stuff. I, I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah. Which is a reoccurring theme in this first one, and I've I've really grown to enjoy it. All right, so the last segment in the movie is they're creeping up on you, and they're creeping up on you follows a guy who is a very big germaphobe, and he has oh, a yeah. cockroach problem, and it gets to the point where they're like overtaking him, and you can tell that this guy is just an asshole. He, I think he was in, like, the stock market or something. I don't know exactly what he did. Yeah, he's some big boss or something. Yeah. And He's um, a douchebag. He just throughout the I think there was a power outage or something, and it just all these bugs are making their way into his apartment, and it gets to the point where there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of them, and they kill him and coming out of his body and everything. This is literally my worst nightmare. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> if anybody knows anything about me, I cannot do cockroaches or maggots. You know, it's the craziest thing about cockroaches, too, is if you sever the... I want to say if you sever the head, the body will keep trucking towards the head for, like, seven hours. Jeez. Trying to reattach it. Yeah, I mean, like they said, they could survive nuclear warfare, so these fucking things are, like... They really are the term pests. <laughs> They're disgusting. <laughs> Try to get rid of them okay. is just... And towards, I think at the end, it almost seems like somebody who he had wronged in the past set this up. And oh, that woman that all right. So yeah. like, yeah, he gets a phone call about this from this woman who's crying. I guess like her husband worked for uh, Mr. Pratt is his name, mm-hmm. and he like kills himself due to the amount of stress. And she's like, she's definitely got vengeance on her mind because when he's like, when the the cockroaches are taking over, you hear her over like the recording machine. And she was like, I hope you get yours, You're like, you son of a bitch, this and that. As the cockroaches are breaking through his skin, which, yeah. might I say, was done so fucking well. I think that was probably my favorite effect in the movie because it's so, like... All right, when I was a kid, I remember the mummy with Brendan Fraser creeping me out, the part with the scarabs under their skin... Yeah, and it was such a throwback to that for me of just like the bugs breaking out of his skin. You could see them moving underneath the skin and stuff. It's, oh, yeah, it was a one. It was a wonderful effect. Yeah. Um. So I think it was Stephen King said a few years back that this segment cost more than anything else cost to make the movie because they had to get the cockroaches imported and they had to get a temporary license to have them imported. They had to pay 50 cents per cockroach to which they got 250,000 cockroaches which translates to 125,000. Jesus. They had to account for every single cockroach before and after filming each scene. So they oh, had to ca- they had to count every single one. They had to keep a running log of any deaths that occurred to them for like 
paperwork reasons and shit. Like, oh, it, that is so much effort. Yeah, <laughs> not for cockroaches. Ooh, yeah, it was. It was a very like simple segment yeah. that just worked so well. Mm-hmm. And like he, you really again with the whole karma thing, it definitely relates because uh, he gets what's coming to him. Oh yeah, and uh, one thing I love is like the maintenance guy. He's like, can I help you, Mr. Pratt, or whatever. Like, you can just tell, like, this guy can't stand him, but he's got to put up with him because he's the maintenance guy of the building. I just thought the interaction between them two was so funny. Because yeah. you could tell, like, the guy, this probably isn't his first time having to go up there. It's probably a regular thing. And you could just hear the sarcasm and the I'm sick of your shit in his voice. <laughs> it was just so well done between them two. Oh, yeah. It definitely was. I can't stand the look of this one, like, watching it. I, th- I, asked I hate Sierra that, like, extremely sterile white look. white look. Like, it doesn't, it's not pleasing for me to look at. It, cre- it doesn't creep me out. It just, like, kind of irritates me a little bit. So it makes it, makes it hard for me. <laughs> I can't stand that totally sterile look. Like, I asked Sierra, too, when it first started. Because, like, like I said, I haven't watched this was since high school. I was like, is this supposed to be futuristic? And she's like, I think it's just supposed to be really clean. And like I was a like, hospital. all right, I, I guess I can see it. <laughs> I think it added to the effect of the story, and it was an interesting set design. I I think it made sense uh, to the story because the the guy was total germaphobe, and you know he wanted to live fully sterile. He didn't like bugs, but I just I don't know for whatever reason. Like I can't look at it. I'm not a dirt bag. My house is always clean, guys. (laughs) It it bugged me a little bit because, like I've said, like I I love the use of color in film, and like it. I think this focus did the opposite of that. I love the part where he goes in the, like, safe room where he thinks he's safe, and then he sees the sheet start moving, and I'm like, oh, dude. I think dude. it was his bedroom. I really think it was the safe room. Well, he, like, locked it up, and he's like, oh, there's no way you're getting in here, and I'm like, guess again, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, the reveal when he pulls up the sheet, and there's, like, thousands of them. Yeah. I hate cockroaches. <laughs> well, if, you're, if you have a fear of bugs, this definitely hits home. I don't have a fear with a bug of any, any other bugs, just... Just the cockroaches and the <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't really have too much to say about this one. Dude. Yeah, it was an alright segment, but it wasn't great. It wasn't extremely memorable for me. Uh, like I said, the most memorable scene was the cockroaches breaking through the skin. It was very creepy and mm-hmm. done well. And I liked certain character interactions. Uh, it, it wasn't the strongest closing segment, but... You know, it doesn't really take away from the film for me. No, I don't think it takes away from the film either. I think the other segments were so strong that this one is just kind of like, whatever. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus so, episode. <laughs> yeah, moving on to the closing wraparound. So the film ends with uh, the father from the very beginning who took away the kid's comic book, which now I know is Stephen King's son. Mm-hmm. Yep, so he so happened, and it, it, it when. It's going through the segments. You notice there's a missing page. Well, I guess the kid ordered a voodoo doll and starts sticking it with pins. And he had it made of, like, his father. So the father's, like, having breakfast. And it's the next day from the night before. And then the kid's, like, just saying, I hope you rot in hell. And he's just sticking the shit out of it. And I guess, like, the dad just starts dying at the kitchen table. He starts holding his throat. And the kid is just pricking him to death with these pins (laughs) in the voodoo doll. And, yeah... What a very uh, flattering ending. Again, karma, Dylan. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy you made a mention of, like, or gave a background the EC Comics because I'm really starting to see it play into everything now. Another, like, tie back to the EC Comics that I didn't bring up before was um, 
the the illustrations throughout the movie where it like cuts away and it has like the comic book looks and like even the the comic book that the kid has um all of it was illustrated by Jack Kamen who was actually like an illustrator for EC Comics before it closed down nice yeah they were go- they were originally going to have Graham Engels do it who again was another EC Comics uh illustrator but he turned the role he turned not the role but he turned the offer down so Bill Gaines, who was the owner of EC Comics, actually suggested having Jack came and do it for the movie. second choice. <laughs> that sucks. He did well. Wow. No, yeah, he did a good job. And um, Bernie Wrightson, who I brought up earlier, who uh, did a lot of work for like DC and stuff, he did the graphic novel adaption of Creepshow after nice uh, after the movie came out. Yeah. All right, you guys ready for some ratings? Yeah, let's do some ratings. <laughs> All right, so I'll go first. I got to say, this is a favorite. This is definitely one of a kind. Well, not I shouldn't know, not one of a kind, but it's definitely an early adaption for more anthologies to follow. I think, I don't know if this is the first anthology, but I want to say it's one of the most successful ones in the world of horror, in my opinion. And there are just so many good segments. And when you got a power trio like Tom Savini, George Romero, Stephen King, there's you can't go wrong. So for me, I got to say overall, I'm giving the very first Creep Show a solid 9 out of 10. All right. Damn, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, love it. I can never get tired of this movie. Yeah, so I agree. I, I personally am a sucker for anthologies, as you guys know. So uh, when we said we were going to do Creep Show, I was super hyped to do it. Um, I think... Each aspect of the movie was great. I think Tom Savini's effects were great. I think the cinematography, the screenplay for each segment was great. It had the perfect blend of humor and horror. And I love that it had that resonating theme from the EC comics of like poetic justice to where you have this person that just seems like a shitty person getting what they deserve in the end. So that being said, the, the segments did have... You know, there was some that were more stronger than others, but overall, I can't say that there were any in this that I could not stand whatsoever. Um, I think I'd give it an 8.5. All right. Um, I like Creepshow. I like it a lot. I like the first three segments much more than like the last one. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a, a really good movie. It's not, I wouldn't say it's in my top 10 or anything like that. But it is something that should be respected in the horror world. It's a great movie. You can't beat anthologies every once in a while. So, um, But I think my score is going to be a little bit lower with 7.5. All right. That's fair. So uh, with only three people for this episode, uh, do we have a, still a solid average Horror Haven rating? We're still doing a Horror Haven rating. Uh, so the average horror even rating would be an 8.33. All right. Yep. 8.33. Five years ago, Stephen King and George Romero, two masters of the macabre, created their hallmark of horror, Creepshow. Many would argue that nothing of significance has happened since. Until now. Oh, 
Maybe you don't get out much. Oh, this is crazy. This is totally crazy. Maybe you're always running late. I gotta go. Or maybe you just have other things on your mind. They gotta make me a movie star. But if you only make it to one scary film all year, make it one you remember all year long. <laughs> Creepshow 2. Creepshow 2 was released five years after Creepshow in 1987. It was directed by Michael Gornick, who was the cinematographer for the first Creepshow. George A. Romero returned to write the screenplay, but the screenplay was based on Stephen King's short stories. So everybody involved in the first one, like the major people were still involved. Tom Savini did come back for the effects and he also played the role of the creep yeah we got a fist behind the creep this time (laughs) the movie has three shorts old chief woodenhead the raft and the hitchhiker it originally had two extras called pinfall and cat from hell but because of budget reasons cat from hell and pinfall were cut out cat from hell was um eventually made into a segment in the later movie, Tales from the Dark Side. Which, where... Dylan, would you, what did Tom Savini say about it? I feel like it's important to add. <laughs> uh, Tom Especially Savini... going on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. After Creepshow 3 was released, Tom Savini said that he would consider Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, to be the true Creepshow 3. We should have definitely covered that, but, you know, we're just going to stick with the Creepshow. show. cruise along. <laughs> and we're going to power through these uh, the Creepshow-themed episode. Yeah. But, yeah, Tales from the Dark Side would have been... So, yeah. uh, well, you know what? We'll get into it for the third one. Hopefully yeah. we save some people from watching the third <laughs> So, yeah, Creepshow 2, it received a lot of mixed reviews, but they were mostly negative. A lot of people said that it didn't recapture what the first one had, which I, I kind of agree with. Um, we'll get into each segment though, and we'll we'll break it down. We'll break it down from there. So, um, old chief, old chief Woodenhead, probably my least favorite. What? <laughs> Ooh, okay. Wow. So, old chief Woodenhead. There's a couple. They live out in what it looks like the Midwest, and they have this ongoing relationship with this Native American tribe. And the guy has a statue of a Native American chief outside which he takes very good care of paints it up with its war paint all that good stuff the, the tribe owes the, the store owners a lot of money because he helps them out a lot and they're unable to give him the money so he made a deal where he gave them precious like stones he said like if we can't pay you back within two autumns these are yours and they're worth like ten thousand dollars yeah later on one night a group of hooligans one of them being uh the nephew of the of Benjamin. Of Benjamin. Benjamin. Yep. They break into the shop and are threatening to kill the owners. They're robbing the place, ransacking it. Ransacking. <laughs> ransacking. The guy leading them, let me say, great head of hair. Awesome. Oh, hair. yeah. He's <laughs> this hair is going to get me paid and laid, he says. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the movie where. Uh, with the guy who has the superpowers because of his hair, and then when his girl cuts his hair, he loses all his powers. He's better looking than that guy. I'm still unsure <laughs> of what movie that is. Yeah. But... <laughs> Flash Gordon. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, Flash Gordon. You's right. But he ends up killing the shop owners, 
And later on, the statue of the chief comes to life and goes and kills the three guys who were responsible for the owner's death. We need an attack dog when you have a Native American statue. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I love the parts when it showed him killing the kids because it was like, it would like have a shadow of the Native American like yeah. standing there and it looked like those little, you remember like the, like you could get like the cowboy and Indian figures. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of that, like the little toys. Yeah. Because like he was always in like a very specific pose. I will say that I like <laughs> that they made the leader of the like douchebags, I guess I'll say. They made him like so obsessed with his hair. And then they had him get scalped at the end, like oh, it was so romantic. Yeah, they the <laughs> statue pulls him through the fucking wall, and just you see him like raise his hand up, and then later, on, like at the end, uh, the statue's like holding the scalp in his hand. That kid was yeah. a douche. I, I oh, was Sam. Sam, yeah, yeah, he was a piece yeah. of shit. I I got so many good laughs from that guy though. <laughs> Let me yeah, say. Yeah, no, he his lines I must say were good. With the, again, with the his hair's gonna get me paid in later. I didn't like, either, like. I think he was wearing a wig. I'm convinced he is. Sierra, how dare you say that? He had some beautiful hair. Listen, listen. I'm going to explain why. Those were luscious locks. No, listen. (laughs) I'm going to explain why. Maybe you guys will understand why I'm saying that. Okay, so like 16 times during this segment, he used his hand to flip his hair back. And like when you flip your hair back, it's just very like whatever. You know? He like did it very stiff. And then like he kind of like pushed his head back when he did it. Like he wasn't sure that it was going to work. He was an actor. He's going to Hollywood. He was... No, yeah. he, the, the actor who played him had to have been wearing a wig. Sierra, let me tell you something. Did you see that middle part? It took him seven years to grow that that hair. Seven long years. Yeah. All right? And a lot of girls would pay to have that yeah. hair between their legs. Let me tell yep. you. Wow. my His words, not mine. I'm confused <laughs> yep. to why they'd want his hair between their legs. You, you, can, you mean? You can continue to be... You can connect the dots with that. Yeah. What? You can continue to be, uh... I just don't get it. Yeah, you can continue to not get it. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some highlights I gotta talk about this movie. Or this segment, I should say. Uh, I really loved how when the, the the statue started coming to life, how stiff it moved. Like, it was still like a statue. And yeah. when he started putting on the, the paint as, like, getting ready to go to war with these goons, mm-hmm. that was a really cool moment and, like, the battle cry that he does. Another thing I loved was with the heavy set one. It, yeah. I, there's a ongoing joke because like i watch these with my older cousins and every time i see them at random fucking family gatherings we're always like loco yeah <laughs> from the movie that he's watching and he's like and then like one of us will go loco like the heavy set one but i love when he sits down and the arrows start flying through him it goes through the beer can and you start seeing it sizzle and then through his throat and eye like that shit is dope with the music the guitar squealing I was like, yo, that is a badass scene. <laughs> Definitely my favorite kill out of the three kills in that segment. Yeah. But, um... No, there was, like, five kills in that segment, but only three by the Native American Yeah, yeah, I, I should say, yeah. The I, three goons, that was my favorite kill. I hated that at the end, uh, Benjamin, like, comes... He, like, he knows something's wrong. He goes flying up... And he pulls in, and he just, like, looks at the chief, and he sees it's painted, and he's like, all right. And he gets back in his car and leaves. I'm like, you're not even going to go in and find the bodies. Like, you know something's wrong here. You got this your thing tools is, back. This thing is holding a scalp in its hand, and you're not going to be like, yo, let me go uh, make sure everything's cool here. Like, he's like, all right, chief, good job. And he goes and gets in his car and drives away. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I see in the connection with Tom Savini, maybe from the Friday the 13th, is, like, the shadow 
of like, all right, when the the rich boy who has got the Firebird car. But by the way, do you notice when he smacks the book of uh, Creepshow comics off? Yeah, yeah, the shelf? I, did I thought that, that was yeah. pretty cool. When he, the, you see the 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 shadow of the statue killing him, and then the blood splatter. I felt like that was in one of the earlier Friday the Thirteenth before. So I thought that was cool. It's like, oh, there's a little. Oh mod, like that's totally like a signature Tom Savini thing. I can't to do. say off the top of my head, but it sounds familiar. I haven't watched Friday the, the Friday the Thirteenth movies in a Dude, long I time. But she tried to watch it in three D like a few years ago. We will know in a couple weeks. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, that was a cool kill for what it was. Mm-hmm. I like the blood splatter. So yeah, yeah. But uh, I think the segment all in all was really unique. I mean. It was definitely weird and, uh, like, really far out there, but it was unique, and, and I can appreciate a unique idea over, like, the same old thing over and over again. It, it followed, I mean, all of these in this, they all follow the, like, karma theme very well, so I'll give it that. It's just, it, it wasn't my favorite. I feel like it felt very out of place between both of the Creepshow movies, like, the first two Creepshow movies. I'll have to agree to disagree, but I respect your opinion, sir. Thanks, man. Gotcha. We only respect opinions here. Giraffe. I mean, I mean, hold on, hold on. Let me just put a little disclaimer. Um, I didn't dislike the segment. I just felt that it felt out of place to me. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough. <laughs> I, I didn't want to, like, put across that I thought it was bad. I, not in any way. Like, I, I enjoyed it. The Raft. The, the raft. raft. Oh, this segment gave me nightmares for years. <laughs> Actually... To be honest, I won't swim into anything but a pool, so <laughs> I gotta blame partially, besides my fear of octopuses, uh, this segment right here. You know octopuses aren't in rivers, right? Or lakes? Well, leeches are. And <laughs> I, I've swam in lakes my whole life, Stephen, I've never seen a leech. I have. At Honk Lake in Napanon? Yeah. <laughs> That's because it's my... pretty much Ellenville. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I won't, I can't do it. I, I'm such a fucking scaredy cat. If, like, anything touches me, even the feel, the feeling of seaweed, like, that's what I imagine that fucking thing from the raft feels like. All like, right. I just, uh. But yeah, let's get into the raft. Yeah. This was, this was a very scary segment for me as a kid. So, the raft pretty much starts with these four high schoolers. They're driving out to some swimming hole at, I want to say the end of summer. They mentioned that it's, like, mid-September. And, you know, they're just having a good time. You got the jock, you got the nerd, you got the babe, and the quiet girl. So, you know, your typical uh, 80s teenagers there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, smoking on that good good over there. And, <laughs> Fucking uh, Sierra, just had... Sierra in the beginning of the segment when it, it set the whole thing up when they are on the car and everything. She's sitting there and, like, I don't know if she said it purposely loud enough for me to hear it, but we're just watching it and I just hear her, like, mutter, like, fucking 80s and like it's just like it's just like they're going for a little bit and a couple minutes later she's like fucking teenagers <laughs> and i just fucking lost it damn siri getting old over there <laughs> fucking you sound like my fucking grandmother <laughs> Holy Maybe shit. I am. <laughs> all right continue steven <laughs> yeah so they, they they go to this secluded swimming hole and they swim out to this raft where they plan on hanging out and getting high you know typical teenager shit and it turns out uh the one nerd starts to notice something moving in the water and they all think it's an oil slick at first and then once he gets a closer look he uh realizes it's not and it sucks one of the girls in and it's pretty much like imagine the blob 
but that could float on water. Yeah. And it sucks this girl in and starts eating her alive. And uh, it's pretty much, they start dropping like flies one by one. Uh, Dean thinks he's going to make a run for it, but it gets him through the fucking raft uh, because it has floorboards and it goes through the cracks in the floorboards and sucks him in. And then that's when the nerd and the, the cheerleader babe, whatever, totally like realize they have to stand between the planks in order to survive. And they're like the last two, and it's pretty much like some shit goes down. He tries to, you know, get a little frisky while she's asleep, and it's turns total, out totally creepy. But <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, come on, bro. There's a there's a place and a time, and it's not when someone's passed out and in a life or death situation, my man. Uh, so it turns Steven out. Respects women. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> First and foremost. Uh, but seriously, like, uh, she's, like, her face is, uh, turned over, and she starts, like, moaning, and he's kind of like, oh, but boom, it turns out her face is getting eaten by this fucking blob thing in the water, because, again, it keeps popping between the floor, the cracks in the floorboards, so that's when he makes a run for it, and, uh, totally thinks he beat it, and see, here's my thing, real quick, if I would have made it to the end, I would have kept running to that fucking car. Oh, yeah, and no. Sierra, and I, Sierra says, and I are yelling at the uh, TV. We're like, fucking go! Go, dude, yeah. And he's just like, fucking, so I close. beat you. And it jumps up out of the water and sucks him back in. Yep. And I just love how it, it ends with the sign that says, danger, no swimming. Yeah, I like that I like that <laughs> cutaway, too, like, with the, um, where it, like, pans around the car and, like, the car doors open and shit. Like, I thought that was a nice a nice scene. I thought, um, fun fact, uh, Tom Savini used industrial garbage bags for most of the, to get, like, the creature's, like, outline look. Really? I can see to get that. it to float. Yep. That's how, and then just added more shit on top of it. Again, I thought this was the scariest segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because I, I have a fear of, like, swimming in anything besides a pool. And <laughs> you could just, the actors did a great job of showing agony and pain when they were getting eaten alive by the thing. Yeah, and the the effects, too. Like, the way it looked when they were just getting, like, eaten by this. Like, it, it was very well done, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that this was definitely my favorite segment from the second one. I liked the raft. I thought it was fun. Don't tip the raft. Don't tip the raft. <laughs> it won't prevent me from swimming in lakes, though. <laughs> totally will for me. Ruined that shit. <laughs> I'm gonna make you go swimming in a lake, Steven um, I'm gonna get I'll you. pass uh, The guy who played Randy, Daniel Beer He actually almost died of hypothermia When they were filming this segment What? Yeah, fucking... and uh, the crew like really wanted They they were pushing, they're like, oh no, we'll keep filming We'll keep filming, and he's just like really in shitty shape So Michael Gornick, the director Actually like brought him to the hospital finally Because he was afraid that if they kept pushing him To film he was just going to walk off set and not come back. So they brought him to the hospital, and uh, once he did a full recovery, he went back and they finished recording everything. Well, good call, because that could have ended really bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely good call. i like to reference, again, the Pancho Loco. Like, there, <laughs> the, it, there's always a reoccurring reference. Like, in the first one, it was the marble ashtray yeah. showing up. In this one, it was the movie that they were watching. Uh, I don't know what movie, but now I kind of want to watch it just for those lines. I, I I know the like I don't know the movie, but I read about it when I was looking into these movies a little bit more. It, I saw yeah. what the movie was, but because I noticed they call each other Poncho and Loco, and it's just like I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely see the connection there. Whole awesome death scenes. Oh yeah, definitely. great effects. Great effects with the, yes. uh, the blob. I was glad they all died. <laughs> 
I, I was well. You know what? I was rooting for the quiet girl. You know, she seemed like a a good kid just trying to the fit in. The then... typical final person in a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's the first to go, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of sucky. Was... But you I know what? She Dean... was the most willing to jump in that water, so. <laughs> yeah. I thought Dean was the perfect jock asshole. I really liked his character. Oh, I know, but that speed was and... bad. Oh, the speed up just made it <laughs> even better, in my it's opinion. so bad. I was like, oh, God. I was like, this guy is such a douche that of course he'd wear a Speedo. That dickwad tried to be Rocky Horror or some shit. I just, again, like, it, it was so 80s or like when he, and I'm not condoning, like, what he did was funny when he threatens his girl, because that's not cool, bro. But when he's like, <laughs> quiet Laverne or I'll smoke you. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> the, man. The terminology. Yo, that's the line, so yeah. 80s. Um, did you, did you notice that the other girl, like, had no problem stealing her friend's sweater? By the end of the movie, like, she was wearing oh, definitely. girls. So they're like, you bitch, she just died. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> fuck it, survival, you gotta stay warm. But yeah, that's all I've pretty much got to say about this segment. Uh, so definitely my favorite one of the three, too. Mm-hmm. And the scariest. Mm-hmm. Alright, the hitchhiker. Uh, Thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> yeah, so the hitchhiker follows a girl who's... Cheating on her husband. Cheating on her husband. Uh, she leaves and she's on her way. She's trying to think... Of what she's gonna tell her husband. Like- so uh, on her way, she ends up hitting a guy who is hitchhiking, and she r- flees from the scene. Driving on later on, she takes her exit and she sees the guy hitchhiking again, but he's all bloody and messed up. And it pretty much turns into this whole big game of uh, him holding onto her car, saying "Thanks for the ride, lady," and her trying to drive <laughs> off. She drives through the woods, and it's still going on and. <laughs> this one was so silly and fun. It was, but it. I had the same complaint that I had with the crate, where it got to a point where I was like, "All right, this is." I I I'd actually take the crate way over this one. It just got so repetitive to a point where I I wish they kept the other two or at least another one of the segments in to shorten this one up a little bit. This but. definitely had the most sense of humor when he just oh, yeah, kept, yeah. it was like how much more fucked up can this guy get? <laughs> like how much more times can you kill this guy? Well you had his face like completely <laughs> missing and he's still like thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride, lady. Like that shit was fucking perfect. And uh again we get to see a great uh, appearance of Stephen King. Yeah, as the truck driver. <laughs> yep. Do you notice how a lot of like his movies take place in Maine? Well, he's from Maine. Yeah, so, no, I just yeah. think that's just so funny. Like, and this one definitely kind of takes place around the main area. Yeah, but uh, this is the one that has the sign to his hometown, doesn't it? No, that was um, the lonesome death of Jordy Barrel. Jordy Barrel. Yeah. Um, at the end, where it shows the sign of like the different towns, it has Castle Rock, like a sign pointed to Castle Rock. Is that what the town he's originally from? Yeah, and that's actually, I believe, that's his production company too, Castle Rock. Oh, cool. Or some shit. I know that. Yeah. The ones that made Stand By Me. Uh, oh, cool. All right. Oh, man, great movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this this one, it, it, it was funny for sure. Um, It just, like I said, it got to a point where it just kept going for so long, and I'm like, all right. like <laughs> Going I, for so long, Dylan. Count them six orgasms, okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right? We're charging by the uh-huh. orgasm now? <laughs> 25 a pop here. That's a great price. You already got your Mercedes. I'm trying to get mine. <laughs> I know, right? I was just like, I love how casual this guy is about it. It's, it's a nice flip around because, like, normally 
in most films we see like the female escort, yeah. whereas like this time it's the male escort. I liked all the uh, the Stephen King books on the headrest too. I thought that was. Cool. You know what? I did miss that. Yeah, I did miss that. They, there was a bunch of books I saw. It, yeah, um, I don't really have too much to say. It's like I think I pretty much said everything I have to with my pro and con with it. A uh, little fun fact at the end, uh, where one last time, where he's like, "Thanks for the ride, lady." And he, like, has completely, like, I mean, as fucked up as it gets. They That was a hand puppet where he, like, grabs her by the throat at the end. Mm-hmm. That was all done by, like, an animatronic, like, hand puppet-like thing. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool because, like, it, it, if you really pay attention, yes, you can kind of tell. But at the same time, it's just, it's so, like, just out there. And it, it doesn't really take away from it where it's like, oh, that's a fucking puppet. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, like, oh, man, that's still kind of gross nasty and creepy in a sense yeah uh i forgot who played the hitchhiker i believe he was a kind of a familiar i just can't remember something washington i want to say i'm not sure i I can't remember but i thought i thought he he did a good job for the role that he had and um, the the one line that he had thanks for the ride lady yeah (laughs) it was just uh yeah that was actually his only fucking line wow uh he just did a good job of just fucking I know you did wrong. Like, he just had that face. Oh, yeah. Like, I know you fucked up. And uh, I just think it was funny how she just kept saying, just 4000 bucks, and it'll be like, you just drove it out of the showroom, Mrs. Lansing. <laughs> <laughs> I also like, like... She's losing... You're losing your mind, bitch. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, it was kind of funny just to see her all by herself getting fucking lost in her head and shit. Yeah. And she really started losing it. And I like that they acknowledge, like, where she's like, can you live with this? Yeah. What you just was, did. I thought that was cool too. I, we didn't like getting, if we're wrapping it up on creep show too, I didn't really get into my really biggest complaint with the movie. I really didn't like the animated like wraparound. Oh, you didn't like it. I didn't like it. No, I just, oh, I thought it was cool. I, I don't know. I was, it's, it, I like, I'm a big fan of like eighties cartoon style. So maybe that's why I enjoyed it so much. Cause it, it totally screamed like, 19 anim- 1980s, like, art style, as far as cartoons and shit go. Yeah, I don't know. I just... It took me... I like the bullies, I liked... too. They were so 1980s. Yeah, I liked, <laughs> I liked the one... I liked in Creepshow 1, where it had, like, the acted-out wraparound story. Gotcha. But, I, I mean... don't know. It was, it was an interesting take on it, I must say. And the whole cartoon of the Venus flytraps eating the bullies at the end was, like... It was interesting for what it was. I was like, all right, well, at least the kid kind of got his revenge too yeah i don't know it was, it was something different i i feel they took on this one and i for, it didn't it didn't really bother me too much on it and I, another thing i want to point out about the hitchhiker i liked how at the end he made it set up like she killed herself with like you know uh where you sit in the in in your garage and you turn yeah. the car on step on the gas like when the husband came home and like that's what it totally looked like she fucking you know killed herself mm-hmm so I thought that was interesting because at the time I didn't know that was a thing when I first saw this movie. So when I went back and watched it, you know, later years, I was like, oh, that's okay. That makes so much more sense. It almost makes me wonder if, like, none of it happened and she just went crazy after killing the guy and did kill herself. Cause... <laughs> Who's to say? Yeah. We'll never know. Never ask, know. Ask the people who made the movie. Maybe they know. Uh, ask George <laughs> Romero. Sarah, you had anything on this last one? I didn't really like that segment. I just thought it was 
too drawn out and too long um, and absolutely ridiculous. Like, she was driving her car through through really thick woods like <laughs> a pro. Really no problem. Uh, I just think it was a little, a little silly, a little out there. I agree, but I th- I think that's why I liked it so much, or not so much, but why what I enjoyed about it was that the silliness of the, it, it yeah, was so over the it top. Was so yeah, it was so like the guys just keeps holding on, like thanks for the ride, like it, it was it was quirky and fun. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah, all right. So you guys want to get into ratings on Creep Show Part Two? Yeah, boy. All right. I thought I know this movie got a lot of uh, more negative reviews than anything, but I personally think it was a solid follow up. You still had quite some people involved that were involved in the first one. I wish we got it; we would have gotten to see those other two segments, but I get it with film budgets. So for what it was, I must say I enjoyed this movie. I loved the score in the beginning of the movie with the opening credits. Uh, Tom Savini was a great creep. I actually didn't mind the animation, like little wraparound, and uh, yeah, I, I found something really enjoyable about each one of them. So my overall rating uh, is going to be a solid eight on this one. I'm going to be a little bit of a downer. Um, so overall, I thought the movie was enjoyable. Like I said before, I, I enjoyed Old Chief uh, Woodenhead, but it didn't feel to me like it fit in with the rest of the movie. Um, the raft, I loved it. I really don't have any complaints about it. But the hitchhiker, I did feel like it drew out a little bit longer, and you could definitely tell that there was supposed to be more of a movie there, and they just stretched it on for time at that point. Um, I wasn't really a fan of the animation cut around. I think I'd have to go like a six. All right, Sierra. With this movie, I really liked the first segment. I thought it was fun, and I thought it was weird enough. To where it wasn't like unenjoyable. Uh, I love the raft. I thought it was really fun. Definitely had like an 80s feel to it. But the last segment really just got it for me. I really wasn't into it. And I, I think part of it too could have been like. Watched it after work and I was tired. <laughs> like, So. Um, but honestly all in all for me this movie. I'd give it like a 5.7. Okay. Overall. Uh, Horror Haven average rating is. six. Point six. Yeah. Okay. Because you got to round up, so it's, yep. it's six point five six seven. So we're gonna go with six point six. Six 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 six. Satan! <laughs> Doctor Satan! <laughs> Doctor Satan! <laughs> We've got to watch that movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we have a Rob Zombie episode coming up in the near future, so I be on the lookout for that. Corpses. All right, so getting on to the grand code. No, <gasps> I can't. Say. <laughs> I can't do it this episode. <laughs> Now getting on to possibly the most cringy movie we've ever had to watch. All right. Yep. Dylan, I will. I will disagree on the cringiest movie we've ever watched. What's the cringiest uh, movie I've ever watched? I will say that I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I enjoyed VHS Viral. Mm-mm. Really? Oof. No, VHS Viral was much better than this piece of crap. Really? Yeah, I'll have to agree with you. I will say on piece that. of crap. And I, that's really mean, but yeah. There I, was really I, little I, redeeming factor for VHS Viral, where this one, I feel like it. Isn't VHS Viral the one with the skateboarding kids? Yes. Yeah. See, I didn't mind that segment. This one, literally, I was just like, what's up with the freaking. <laughs> the, like, 
I'm right. gonna solve a mystery mu- music that's in the whole thing. It's uh, that's yeah. what I liked. Okay, okay. Do, well, do, okay. Do. So Creepshow three came out in 2006. It had no involvement with George A. Romero, Stephen King, or Tom Savini. Um, it was an, announced later on that it was an unofficial sequel. So it how really, is it unofficial when they use the fucking name? So there really basically nobody with the original was involved. They basically made it, it and slapped the name on it. How they get exactly to use the a name? cheap cash in? The same company made it, I guess. The company's dumb. I will say that the movie, for a lot of the segments, carried on the poetic justice theme that the first two had. And for that, I will say that it wasn't just completely like a random movie that had the name slapped on it, but I will also say that I would not call this a creep show movie. Thank you. Because it did not feel like it. It felt like an art. We all said it. Goosebumps, um, next generation. Yeah, I said it. Sierra said it. Steven, you messaged me and said it. And Erica actually texted me and said it. Um, It feels like an R-rated Goosebumps. Yep, absolutely. That was a vibe. The music, the acting, the... do you mean the lack of acting? Yeah, like the poor, that's what I mean. Like the poor acting, the music, and just the attitude, like the feel of the movie. It felt like I was watching an R-rated Goosebumps movie. R-rated? I don't even think it's R-rated. No, it was. I don't think so. Or would it be R-rated? Uh, there's some violence. Yeah, violence, but like nothing like really that bad. Do we really have to go like segment for segment for this one? Cause it was we'll go so segment good. to segment, but we I really don't have much to say about it, any of them. So. Crispin was in it. Uh, so the first segment was Alice, and it followed a girl whose dad gets a remote control that puts her in different universes where her family is different races. It's and kind of like every time she goes to a different dimension, she starts like getting more and more deformed until eventually she's turned into a rabbit, which her professor and neighbor takes as a pet. That's all you have to say about that one. That's all. I'll I'll give it credit this. The more deformed Alice looks, yes, the special effects were actually pretty solid there. That is the only good thing I can say about that segment. She made a cute bunny. The next segment had your boy, A.J. Bowen, a.k.a. Crispin! Crispin. (laughs) We love Crispin. Uh, Which was actually the only reason that we decided to do Creepshow 3 because we're like, yo, we were only going to do 1 and 2, but A.J. Bowen's in it. We got to do it. He looks so different, too. He had a ponytail. And I will say, and this is not Crispin bias, I enjoyed the radio as a segment. Uh, It felt like a very fucked up version of the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, you know, him. as much as I love Crispin AJ uh, Bowen, uh, it you. wasn't it wasn't enough. I mean, he was. I and you know what? I understand. You know what? This was probably his breakthrough into the business, and yeah. for that, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, it's like with wrestling. You know, you got to get your start somewhere, and you're going to start doing it on the independence before you make your way to WWE. So for that. Hey, it was an opening. He took it, and you know what? He went on to do better things. So I'll you. give it that aspect, but. I feel like the thing that makes this one feel so different from the other two, other than, like, completely different people made it, and it was filmed really poorly, and, you know, those stories were really wacky. It was much more, I feel like, sci-fi than horror. You know what I mean? Like, it had very, like, sci- science fiction. Well, everything with it, like... Like, it was the such professor a... was really out there. Yeah. Like, the girl being turned into a bunny. Um, him talking to a radio. 
all of that is very sci-fi. It's not, it's not horror. It's like, it, like, like I said, this would have been something that my dad would have watched on Sci-Fi Network in the afternoon on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, best way to describe it. A shitty so, sci-fi movie. Dylan, do you want to give a quick synopsis of the segment? Uh, the radio it has a security guard played by Crispin, A.J. Bowen. Um, we prefer Crispin. Yeah, he fi- he buys this radio from a homeless guy who pops up. There, that's another thing with this movie that we really didn't bring up. All of the stories are connected, and it does <laughs> it like kind of shows them connecting. But I think it does it very poorly. Like it connects them in a poor way, where it's just yes, it's like so coming off of anthologies like trick-or-treat like there's stuff that connects every single story where this one it's kind of just like oh well that character was standing in the background in this segment and now they're going to be in the next segment and it's like all right yeah, well, yeah. yeah the homeless guy was the best uh, connecting character though with the yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the voodoo homeless man yeah but yeah. uh yeah so Jerry, who is the uh, security guard, he buys a radio from this homeless guy. And you can tell he's this guy that's kind of been, like, picked on and uh, bullied around a lot. And his life is just shitty. And this radio starts, like, coaching him and, like, basically teaching him to stand up for himself. And it gets to a point where it starts having him, like, kill people and, like, cover cover up his tracks and steal money. And it just... Everything spirals out of control. and Yeah, so he goes to escape with this money that he had gotten, and the guy who he stole it from, who was a pimp who lived in his building, found them and killed him. Because it turns out he was with the radio in the first place. And let me just say, you don't fuck with a pimp's money, okay? That's true. <laughs> that is true. The second I heard, yo, this is a pimp's money, I'm like, yo, man, I gotta, I gotta go put this back. No. <laughs> So, poetic justice, he was greedy, took the money, took something that wasn't his, paid for it in the end. Yeah, that's, that's all you can really say about that. Yep. That radio played him. Literally. What a, what a turn in events. He didn't play the radio, the radio played him. <laughs> and in the end, he played himself. You've got the best dad jokes. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alright. shit. Moving so, on. The next one is Call Girl. It follows a prostitute who is also killing people. And she goes to this guy's house, kills him. Turns out he's some, like, vampire-type thing. Comes back, kills her. That's about it. I I will say his teeth and eyes were pretty cool-looking. Yeah. It almost... The teeth almost reminded me of Fluffy from the first one. Just (laughs) how, how they were set up. Yeah, I and that's my was... only highlight of this one. Is this one that, was very yeah. this this segment was very like short and to the point. Yeah, what were you gonna say, Sierra? I thought he looked stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like they took they took the frame and they put it on not even Photoshop. They put it on paint and they they like stretched the image to make his mouth bigger, and then they took the little paint tool and drew drew little sharp triangles in his mouth. <laughs> I mean that that is a big thing with this one is uh it, it relied very heavily on CGI where the oh first two the first two were all like practical effects done by Tom Savini where this one when will people learn that it's so much smarter to do things that may take a little more time that look nicer opposed to using your freaking computer to add stupid crap in <laughs> just stop 
Just stop. They won't learn. It's the error of CGI, unfortunately. It is. But I agree with you. Practical effects are better. I understand that there's stuff that you just can't, like, it's really hard to recreate. And you may need to use, um, like, computerized effects. And that's fine. Make sure that they look good. Make sure you have the budget to make sure they look good. If you don't have the budget, use makeup. Or don't do it. Like, the end of this movie with the hot dog stand guy. Don't where get his, ahead. Where his face melted. What was the point? If you can't make that look good, don't add it in. Yeah, like his little <laughs> troll face. I think he was supposed to be like a, a creep type thing. Because like he had like a... Like a well, they didn't face. do a good job of explaining it, especially in the intro. <laughs> yeah. Which, Which, again, I have to say real quick. I didn't even know the movie started. <laughs> okay, so the, the animated thing, too. So, for all these... Every time we do movies, I write down a lot of... Like, all the notes I can find on the movie. The only note I have for Creepshow 3, apart from the segment names, is that the hot dog stand in the beginning was called Hot Dog Haven, and we may be able to cash in on this somehow. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yep. If we ever want to break off into like the, you know, the food cart industry, hot dog haven. So, uh, yeah. So that was it for call girls. So the professor's wife. This one was very like. Oh my gosh, dude! I couldn't tell if they were get we were getting ready for a a three way porno or what at first. <laughs> uh. So yeah. So the professor who pops up throughout the movie, uh, the one who uh, made the remote in the first segment, Alice. He invites these two former students of his over, and he's talking about this, like, big breakthrough that he's had with his experiments, and then he's talking about how he's getting married, and he found his perfect wife. So he leaves to go to the store, leaves these two guys at the uh, the house, which, like you said, Steven, it's like the setup of a really shitty porno. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're talking to this girl, and she's like, oh, I don't know how I met the professor. I just came up one day. So they start getting this theory. Okay, she's a robot. He's talked about making a robot. He's made jokes about making the perfect girl. So this has to be a robot. So they go into the kitchen where she's at, and they start – they kill her. They start hacking her up, and they're like, oh, my God, it's so real. And it's just like a good – three-minute scene of them taking body parts and, like, they pull her head off and they're opening her skull and there's... Then, uh, they find a scrapbook and, like, oh, he went through so much trouble to make this realistic. And then they're reading about this girl who has amnesia, which explains why she didn't remember meeting the professor or anything. And they do a very poor job of cleaning up the mess. They leave. The professor opens the oven and finds his wife's head, which very, like, I'm trying to think of the word. Very tame response to finding his fiance's head in the oven. He just opens it and he's like, oh. That's how you react, I'm sure. <laughs> like, it, it wasn't a, I just found my fiance's severed head in the oven face. It was a, I made these cookies. And I left these cookies. Burned. I made I left these cookies in too long and they burnt. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a good way of putting it. So uh, that was that one, and then the final one was haunted dog, which was a guy who was a shitty doctor who was total ripoff of Doctor House. Let me say, oh, totally popping the pills. Oh, take yeah. this, take that. Yeah, He's a telling. Dick. Yeah. Oh, um, God. He gives a homeless guy in the beginning a hot dog, which he dropped on the ground, has dirt on it, and the homeless guy chokes on it and dies. 
So the doctor throughout is seeing the ghost of the homeless guy throwing up a hot dog and trying to hand it to him. And at the end, he has a heart attack and dies. Yeah, there's... All leading up to the wedding of the professor with his wife that I guess he put back together. (laughs) Somehow, she's alive still. I don't don't know. It, It was a mess, but... Yeah, this movie, uh, it was very hard to follow, all right? So I understand this isn't, like, the best review we could have given, but we are really trying here because (laughs) it was just so fucking all over the place and just – it was hard to follow the story. That's the best way to describe it for me. They were just out there. It wasn't – It was a shitty sci-fi movie. This is, like, something that a great director might have made their first year in college. Okay, I'll say it was shitty. I would not recommend whatsoever people go watch it. I wouldn't be like, yo, go watch this, go watch this. It's it's really good. I laughed hysterically almost the entire movie at how bad it was. And it was one of those movies for me that's so bad that I got some enjoyment from watching it. But like I said before, I wouldn't consider it a creep show movie at all. Yeah, that's the only way you can enjoy it, is making fun of this film, I have to say. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are times where a couple of friends, like, we'll all get together and watch a really shitty horror movie just to have, just for the LOLs, mm-hmm. pretty much. But, you know, so, there's always something that's really enjoyable that you can take away from them. Whereas this, yeah, there was a couple of LOLs, but half the time I was cringing. And yeah. I guess... It might be the atmosphere, too, because, I mean, did you watch it alone? Yes. See, yeah. Sarah and I watched it together, so I was able to laugh at a part and, like, make a joke with her about it. So it might have been that. I'm sure if I watched it alone, I probably would have been like, when will this end? Please let this end, but... Yeah, I oh, I couldn't wait for it to end, to be completely honest with you. It was just... It was very hard to sit through. I got... I was just pissed off that they just decided to slap Creepshow on it and think, yep, quit. it was a quick cash-in. Would That's... you would you have taken some enjoy more enjoyment out of it than you did if they didn't just rip off the creep show name? Or would you say that this is a complete one hundred percent lost cause? Lost cause. Alright. Even without the creep show name, but that just pisses me off even more that they <laughs> slap creep show on it. Again, the only good thing that came out of this was the rise of uh Crispin AJ Bowen. Okay. I feel like this was like his early start and breakthrough into the business, so besides yeah. that but I will say, too, I, I will say that, again, not to be Crispin biased here, but his acting in it was far superior than everybody else, which is probably yeah. why which is probably why he was the only one from this that my went favorite, on to do more. My favorite acting in it was the prostitutes in the, in the same segment that were like, they'd like see him and be like, Hey, Jerry. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I want to kill you. I'm coming. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. line was said a few times. So bad. Prostitute. It just didn't feel like a creep show movie watching it. Like, no. I couldn't. I, I, I will say, it didn't feel like a creep show movie watching it. I would say, if anyone is curious to check this out for any reason, watch it with a group of people or someone else that you can laugh at it with. Don't watch yeah. it alone. Don't watch it alone because you won't. You'll be it. a miserable fuck like me the whole time. <laughs> just, <laughs> but, just be uh, like annoyed. Yeah, that, that's really all I have to say about it. I am giving this rating a one only for Crispin. <laughs> that's it. I I can't go higher than that as much as I try. I there wasn't a lot I could enjoy. For everything I just said, I got enjoyment watching it 
from the laughs. As a creep show movie, I'd give it a one for the just for carrying over the or the overall theme of like poetic justice for people who are just shitty people. Uh, as a movie that I watched, I would probably give it a three. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, hold on. We got whoa. All right. We bagged on Sierra for giving multiple ratings, bro. Okay. <laughs> you gave two. I, 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 no, I'm, I'm going with three as my final answer because, like, for, like, our, our rating system, I'm going for a three. But I'm okay. saying I, I, that's the only thing that I would give it credit for as a creep show film because I wouldn't consider gotcha. it. I wouldn't consider it a creep show film, but as a film itself, that's what I'd give it. And that's solely for the fact that I laughed my ass off watching it, so... Gotcha. Sierra? You ready? It's getting the Rotten Tomatoes rating. <laughs> it got a 0%. Oh! Wrecked. Wrecked. That's all I have to say about that. You're giving it a 0? It's giving it a 0. And, and that's on the same level of disgust you had for Cannibal Holocaust, so you really must detest this. Dude, it was It was just like... I, felt, I literally was like, I cannot watch anymore. And we had to watch an hour and a half movie in two takes because I could not get through it. <laughs> That's how bad it was. I have never, never done that. This movie was not good. I'm sorry whoever made it. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm sure you've done better stuff since then. I, I'm not fond of you this movie, though, sir. Or ma'am. Or ma'am. I think it was a dude. <laughs> Listen, it, it takes a lot to just make a movie and you're going to call it a creep show so with that you got a lot of weight on your shoulders all right you got a lot to live up to well here's the thing too we don't know this could have been something that the company slapped the creep show three name onto it that's true so i, I can't i can't really say too much in that regards because it might not have been the people the people who made the movie might have gone in with a totally different idea well whoever <laughs> said that this is creep show three you are held responsible for one of the most misleading movies and that I've seen in a long time. Yep. Shame on you. Shame on If you want to watch Creep Show 3, watch the true Creep Show 3, Tales from the Dark Side. Exactly. The Which if we, exactly. if we thought about it, we probably would so, watch that instead. What is the horror haven average rating for one, this? 1.3. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. We're calling Erica before, for her opinion. Before we do the outro, I'm gonna call. I'm not keeping it on okay. the episode. I'm not keeping it on the episode. I'm just curious. Yeah. Hello. Toss out them creep show ratings. Oh, creep show ratings. Okay, ready? Yep. Creep show one. I'm going to give it a solid. I'm gonna give it an eight. Okay, that's what I gave it. Creep Show Two. I'm going to give a seven. Okay. And then Creep Show Three. I'm going to give a four and a half. Four and a half. Wow. We yeah. That's a lot higher than we. We're, we were trying. Yeah, we were trying to guess uh, what you would give it. I gave it a three. Stephen gave it a one, and Sierra gave it a zero. <laughs> I'm giving it a four and a half, and this is why. I give it a four and a half because, like I said to you earlier today, I really like that they took minor characters from each story and made them the main characters in that. Okay. Other than that, it was Goosebumps with Titties. Goosebumps with Titties. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so if we added Erica's into that... Might two, bump it up. It'd be a two... I was going to say a two. A 2.1. <laughs> 
All right, so that's pretty much wraps it up for this week. Join us next week as we get into the world of parasite horror. These films were picked by Rich, and they are... The Bay, Viral, and Ticks. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. And I think it's... I must say the the Ticks one is going to be appropriate with this whole tick epidemic going on in New York. Is I guess they're going like, on? They, yeah, there's like some tick epidemic that I guess New York's dealing with where they're like carrying a new disease and they made their way to New York. I don't know too many details, but I just thought way to keep with the times by coincidence. So <laughs> yeah, be on the lookout for uh, parasite horror next week. If you like what you heard, give us a follow at horror Haven podcast on Instagram. If you type in horror Haven podcast on Facebook, you can follow us on there. And we also have a website that you can officially type in under Google or anywhere at horrorhavenmedia.com be sure to check that out uh you can go back look at all the films that we've covered previously and you can even see our ratings on there we have always like horror updates what's to be released our schedules and everything so be sure to give the website a check out uh sierra has been working hard uh cool things to navigate through and with that being said we thank anyone who supported the show and please feel free to give us any b- feedback for uh future content we're always uh listening to you guys so thanks for all the support and have a good night bye good night